how the Rams bit the bullet and aced their offseason. Is there enough talent around Cooper Cup? And who runs LA? That's coming up next on Locked on Rams. You are Locked on Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Ramley? And welcome to another episode of Locked On Rams, your daily podcast covering your two-time Super Bowl champion, Los Angeles Rams. Free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Locked On Rams, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're also available over on YouTube, so if you want to check out the video version of the show, find us over on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, hit that notification bell, hit that like button, and let us know. What is your grade for the Rams this offseason? My name is Doug McCain. My friends call me DMAC. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at DMAC underscore LA. I've covering LA sports for over a decade, the Lakers for SI, the Dodgers for Dodgers nation. Now I'm covering the Rams for locked on. And as always, I'm joined by the Rams pre half and post game show host for the Rams flagship radio station, ESPN 710 LA. He's entering his eighth season covering the team, the people's champ, Mr. Travis Rogers. You can follow him on Twitter at Travis Rogers. And today's episode is brought to you by eBay motors. A championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same for your vehicle. So for parts that fit, head to eBay Motors and look for the green check. Stay in the game with eBay Guaranteed Fit, ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. Now on today's show, we're talking about who runs L.A., the wide receiver's room, who will step up as the wide receiver three. Is Van Jefferson a legit wide receiver two? But first, what is the Rams grade for their offseason work? Now, Travis, we got training camp this week. Are you yep. ready to get into it, my man? I can't wait. We're getting closer. First preseason game. You can see it on the horizon. It's all good. We're getting close. It is almost here. Now we're going to start with this topic and we're going to kind of rehash some of this off season activity by the Rams because a website turf show times, they did a poll asking Rams fans what their grade was for this off season. And they gave them a C and that's about 38%, a little over 38% gave them a C 17.1% gave them an F 13.2% gave them an A 31.6% gave them a B. What's your reaction to this poll? Well, I, I want to go back, right? I want to go back to when you were in high school or maybe college or whatever it is. There, there were a couple of different types of teachers, right? There were the teachers that you knew were going to make you earn every single thing that you got, the hard graders, the ones that anything that wasn't perfect was going to get dinged really hard. And then there were the teachers that as long as you could fog a mirror, they were going to pass you and put you through to the next class, right? That's all it was. That's at least a B. I think that most of the Rams fans are in that second group when it comes to grading this stuff because I don't understand how it's a C. Now, I, I get what you're talking about, that if the goal is to do one thing as opposed to another, so it depends on what it is that you're trying to get out of the class, right? If the goal is to actually pass the class, the Rams did not have a C-level offseason. If the goal is to get ready for next semester, they had a great off season, right? It depends on what it is that you're actually getting done. It depends if you're trying to clear the decks for 2024 and beyond great off season. It's better than a C it's probably a B or a B plus because you've put yourself in a position to do what you want to do. If the goal is to win games in 2023, it's not a C it's probably not a D it, it's, it's way, way lower than that because what's come in nothing. 
right? You, you had a couple of draft picks, you know, got Steve Avila high, but the fact of the matter is there's name. We go, Hey, we got this guy. And all along in the Sean McVay, Les Snead era, they brought guys in year after year after year that you were excited about, right? That you thought was going to have a huge impact on some of these teams along the way. That's not what's happened right here. So what is happening, I think, is going to determine the grade. If you're trying to win, it's an F. If you're getting ready for what's coming later, I think it's probably a B or a B plus. I agree with you 100%. I think if you're going to throw out a grade, you have to ask yourself, what is the assignment? What grade did they get on the assignment? The Rams understood the assignment. They took the cap pain in a single offseason. Next year, they'll have close to $60 million in cap space. They'll have their first round pick back. It's going to be positive momentum moving forward. But you had to do that. You had to sacrifice that. You had to pay off some of those student loan debts this offseason to really get to where they need to be. I give them an A, honestly, when you consider what they're up against, how much money that they had to spend, less than $2 million. You had to restructure Cooper Cup's contract just to sign some vets at the minimum and pay your rookie. So, yeah, I think they understood the assignment. I would proudly put a bumper sticker on my car that says, my NFL team made the honor roll at NFL Elementary. So, yeah, I think when you consider what they're working with it's an a for me yeah no that that makes sense to me it's more of a going back this is bringing back some fairly unpleasant memories but maybe some incomplete action going on like hey i don't want to finish the class this year let me let me pick it up next year and close this thing down i think that's more what this is that this is this is a two-year class you're only getting some midway grades at this point because what it's going to look like you know almost exactly a year from now I think is going to inform a lot what we think about this season. If this is a season that ends up with them winning six, seven, eight games and they don't make the playoffs and they're picking somewhere in the teens or thereabouts and you get a player that maybe makes an impact, maybe doesn't, then I think that the offseason was a failure. If this is something other than that, maybe you win more games and that's good news. You're in the playoffs. You always take your shot. But if you put yourself in a position to maybe pick high in the draft and all of a sudden you've got the third pick in the draft, the eighth pick in the draft or whatever it might be, I think you're feeling very differently about it. Yeah, by the way, I know you made the Dean's list at UC Santa Barbara as a proud <laughs> gaucho. Come on, I know you're a straight A student. But yeah, if you uh, look, look at, you know, so I mean, come on now. Look, so look I, at, I learned two things at Santa Barbara. I learned that that's where I want to retire. And I learned how to tap a keg faster than anybody else. Those are the two things that I am entirely skilled at after spending five years in Isla Vista. Hey, that's the spot, especially during Halloween time. That's where it goes down, right? So, yeah, if you kind of just look at what they did, especially in free agency, you mentioned yesterday our everyday listeners will know you talked about the free agent signing of Coleman Shelton, bringing him back. But you lose Rap, you lose Sean Robinson, Baker Mayfield, Nick Scott, Greg Gaines. David Edwards, Troy Hill, they cut their only experienced edge rusher and Leonard Floyd, who led the team in sacks in 22 with 10 and a half sacks in his three years with the Rams. He had nine, nine and a half and 10 and a half sacks. They saved just 3 million this year by cutting him. They ate 19 million in dead cap. They did save 22 and a half million in 2024 for cutting Floyd this off season. So to me, that marked a move to the future. They were going to bite the bullet. This was a necessary evil. They were going to play some of these rookies and look towards 2024. Of course, you make the the trades for Robinson and Jalen Ramsey, Bobby Wagner. You let him walk. I see people out there. They, they were frustrated with the fact that they did that with Bobby Wagner, but Hey, let's not forget the Seahawks. One, let him walk. And two, you want to make this Rams organization, a destination for free agents, for players like Bobby Wagner in the future. So I have no issue with that. I think the Allen Robinson deal, if you want to give that an F from last season, I'd be fine yeah. with that. I think I that's, think that's kind of no, Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, it'd be hard to argue otherwise, right? Because, but you talk about all those guys that went out, right? That list of guys that you just mentioned, DMAC, and who's come in? Well, they re signed one of their own guys in Coleman Shelton. They went out and find Marcus Robinson and some other guys, but there isn't any. And just, I'm just going off the top of my head. You start going backwards over the years. Here comes Matthew Stafford, and here comes Andrew Whitworth, and here comes Odell Beckham Jr., and here comes Vaughn Miller, and, and just one guy after the next that they've gone out and picked up that are big names, star names. And you go back a little further than that, whether it's Akib Talib or Marcus Peters or any of these guys, Eric. Weddle, like they 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 had guys and we go, oh, okay, that hasn't happened this year. This is a very different setup this year where it's more, oh, okay, well, maybe he'll make the team, maybe he won't. This is a, a very different approach for them. Exactly. It's two-prong right there. I mean, you get the experience for the young players, the rookies, to see if you can hit on any of these guys, to see if they can be core members that can help you in the future. So you can use that cap space on free agents, and you can plug in holes that way. And yes, they have gave out some bad contracts. There is no denying that. And it's just something they're going to have to live with. But I think when you consider the money they didn't have to spend, when you consider that there weren't really that many options, and also, too, they might like some of the guys that are available in the 2024 draft. I mean, there's a lot of mocks that have them to taking JT to a Maluau from Ohio state to edge. So, I mean, there's definitely some players they might have their eyes on. They want to develop these guys and they still have Stafford cub, Donald and Havenstein under guaranteed deals for 2024. So not too much on the books, but yeah, I have yeah. no issue with them not pushing that money into the future, all that guaranteed money. If you continue to restructure those deals, push those cap commitments into the future, they're just going to be spinning their wheels and prolonging the inevitable. And I think you fast track a remodel as they're calling it, instead yep. of having to go to a down to the studs rebuild in the future. But yeah, it did feel like almost like they were squid weird looking through the blinds and looking at Patrick and SpongeBob <laughs> playing it during free agency. They didn't really have much going no. on for them. That's for Th sure. This is the NFL. You do not get to be at the top of the stack in perpetuity it doesn't work like that right and, and i think we we you and i and, and a lot of people that are probably listening to this podcast right now have lived through an era where we've seen the patriots at the top for 20 years that doesn't happen right that you've seen the steelers be near the top for 15 years or so under mike tomlin that's exceedingly rare that if you can be in the top for five-year chunks and take your shot and then back up and reload and get ready for another five-year chunk. And that reload, does it take a year? Does it take two? You know, it depends on how good your staff is. It depends on how good your GM is. It depends on how good your head coach is. And I think the Rams have got a great GM. I think they've got a great head coach. I don't think that they're going to be in this remodel or restructure or whatever we want to call it mode for long. They're going to get it together, but this is the year that they're trying to get it together. Yeah, that's a fantastic point. This league is designed for parity. This is a league where, based on how good you are, that's how difficult your schedule is going to be right. the following season. Had they gone all in again and went 5-12 and 12 again, that would have set this organization back for years. Sometimes the best thing to do when you're in a casino is look for that exit sign and just get out. That's how They're you really save money. And you make the best decision. So you gotta get they're usually by the restaurant. You gotta go near the, the back door. That's the best. Exactly. Way out. They're not giving you those drinks to help you. Let's just put it that way. Okay. But coming up on our next segment, who will step up as the Rams number two wide receiver? Is there enough talent surrounding Cooper Cup? That's coming up next on Locked On Rams. Locked on Rams is sponsored by Better Help. All right. So 
we know, right, we're faced with tough decisions in life. And the path forward is not always crystal clear. Maybe you get stuck on something. You're going over it in your mind over and over and over again. Whether we're dealing with decisions about our careers, our relationships, or anything else, therapy helps you stay connected to what you really want while navigating your life so you can move forward with confidence and excitement and get unstuck, right? Trusting yourself to make decisions that align with your values is like anything. The more you practice it, the easier it gets. So if you are thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire. You'll get matched with a licensed therapist. And if it doesn't click, you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash locked on today to get 10% off of your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on. And welcome back to Locked On Rams. Thank you for making Locked On Rams your first listen every single day. Free and available wherever you get your podcast. Locked On Rams, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And a special shout out to our everyday listeners. We appreciate you. Rock with us every single day on YouTube, on the podcast. And you can be an everyday listener too. Join the club. Membership is free and you won't miss a thing about your Los Angeles Rams. Now, Travis, here in our second segment, we're diving back into storylines that Rams fans need to watch for for training camp. And I think one of the big ones is the wide receiver position because we know they have Cooper Cup. He's top five, probably top three in this league. We know how great he is, but who's going to step up as that wide receiver too? Will it be Van Jefferson? Who's going to emerge as the wide receiver three? Is it going to be 2-2 Atwell, Ben Skoranek, Puka Nakua, guys like that? I think that's definitely one of the big storylines heading into training camp. Yeah, I think it's probably the most interesting battle as far as just, you know, fun. I think the one that's going to matter the most is something else that we've talked about on Locked on Rams. The everydayers will notice is the offensive line as far as whether or not they're going to be successful this year. But as the wide receivers go, you're right. It's like it's Cooper Cup and you put him over there and he's not only guaranteed to make your team and be your number one guy. Like you mentioned, DMAC, he's one of the best in the business. And, you know, it's a great jump off point knowing that you have a player like that. Keep in mind. He's coming back from an injury as well. Second time he's had a, a season where he's missed a good chunk of time. So, you know, keep your eye on that. I still expect him to be a, a great player along the way. But as you get older, as those injuries start to accumulate, things can change a little bit. Van Jefferson will clearly be the number two, but he has a little bit of a, a, a an asterisk next to him, right? Which is just, are you a number two because you're a number two and you can perform like a number two? Or are you a number two because we don't have one? And I think that's the interesting spot that Van Jefferson finds himself in. Can he be a legitimate threat? Can he at least keep guys honest on the on the defensive side of the ball so Cooper Cup doesn't get swarmed the way that I think he might if Van Jefferson struggles? And then after that, all those players you mentioned, it's wide open. I mean, there is, I don't think there's anybody that has an inside track on that third wide receiver position or whether it's the fourth or the fifth guy and then it's the special teams come in. But it's Cup, it's Jefferson, and then it's a fist fight to get footballs after that. 
Exactly. It's definitely going to be open up in the air. You got tons of opportunities for some of these other guys, some of these young guys, some of these free agents they brought in, some of these veteran guys like we talked about, Demarcus Robinson, we talked about Tyler Johnson, guys like that. But if you look at Van Jefferson, that to me is the number one question. Are you yep. a true number two? Can you be that guy this year? Because he's going to get the runway. You don't have to worry about guys like Robert Woods and Odell Beckham Jr., Allen Robinson. Last year, of course, he was dealing with the knee injury. He really never got it going. And he has proven to be a viable deep threat. He can stretch the field, and that's going to be absolutely essential with Cooper Cup in the slot because if they're doubling up on Cooper Cup and they're shutting him down and yep. no one else steps up, it's going to be a long year for this Rams offense. Yeah, for, for sure. And, and I think, you know, Van, Van Jefferson's not unique in what I'm about to say, but I think that he's a, a very good example of it. He's much better when there are better players on the field, right? That Cooper Cup is one of those guys – Cup's going to get open no matter what. I mean, from the moment that he showed up, whether it was Jared Goff or whether it's been Matthew Stafford or any of the other guys that have filled in, well, you know, Baker Mayfield and he never really played together, but it's one of those, when it's third down, the ball's going to number 10. The ball is going to him. It's just, that's the way that they've done it. And he's able to get open. He's able to run the right route. And he's the guy that everybody has to pay attention to. When he's been down, the Rams haven't had that guy. Van Jefferson hasn't been that guy. When he is the clear second or third or fourth option, he's been much better. We saw it last year when all of a sudden all these other guys were gone. He didn't really have those explosive plays like we'd been looking at before. But with Cup back, I think Jefferson has a chance to be a more legitimate number two option. Yeah, we just have to see is Cooper Cup going to be Kobe Bryant surrounded by a bunch of smush Parkers right. or guys step up, right? I mean, I think Van Jefferson is someone in 2021. We saw 50 catches or 800 yards. He caught Matthew Stafford's first touchdown pass in that mm -hmm. game against the Bears. Last year, of course, spent so much time on the injury reserve like we talked about. But his first game with over 50 yards receiving wasn't until week 17. At 24 catches for 369 yards. He'd have that great game when he catch against the Raiders. So he has flash potential. He does have the talent. But I always remember, of course, when OBJ goes down the Super Bowl and Van Jefferson, he had his opportunity. Yeah. He did do a great job creating separation, getting open. So there's that. And then you look at some of these younger guys. We talked about 2-2 Atwell. And for me, every time you bring up 2-2 Atwell, I almost feel like that scene from The Simpsons where Milhouse looks at Bart and the whole class is looking at him. They're like, save the line, Bart. Save the line, Bart. And I just say, Creed Humphrey. <laughs> right it always pops into my mind because of course he's the best center in football at this moment they could have had him but look i think two to atwell they need a guy that can stretch the field you can make money in this league we saw deshaun jackson of course he made over a hundred million dollars stretching the field for his career two to atwell is a little undersized but i do think when you look at his speed yes one career touchdown by the way he has only one more career touchdown catch than Creed Humphrey, who has zero. So that kind of tells you that. But I still believe that Tutu Atwell, it's a sinker swim year for him. I think he has the speed. I think his hands are better than a lot of people give him credit for. We saw that deep ball he caught against the Cowboys yep. with Matthew Stafford. We saw some of the plays he made when Baker Mayfield was in there. So I think really it's predicated on him having a quarterback that can give him the ball deep and an offensive line that can protect Stafford and give him time to hit Tutu Atwell on deep passes. You are far, far, far more generous with Tutu Atwell than I am. I, I, I've seen it from the time he's been here. And while you bring up Deshaun Jackson, and I understand the, uh, the comparison, Deshaun Jackson scored a truckload of touchdowns. 
Deshaun Jackson caught a truckload of passes. Deshaun Jackson could return kicks and punts and be a day and get tackled and get up and go do it again. Tutu Atwell gets hit and he breaks in half. It just it just doesn't work for him. What he's more like is somebody that Rams fans saw when they first came back to town uh, back in 2016. He reminds me more of Tavon Austin. He can fly. He can do some things, but what do you use him for? Like it's just there there isn't a clear path on what to do with him. I get that he can haul. I get that he's really fast. I get that they took him instead of Creed Humphrey to do the the Bart Simpson line. But the fact of the matter is, he just hasn't had an impact. He's had an opportunity here and there. And the only reason he hasn't had opportunities is because he's been hurt, which is, I get, you know, it's one of those things. It's not his fault, but it's also not anybody else's fault either. It's just, it is what it is. He needs to play. He needs to play well. He needs to make an impact, and I'm just not sure that he can do it. I know he's fast. I know that they rave about him in camp, but I've seen him in games, and I couldn't have been less impressed to see what I've seen over the last few seasons. Yeah, I mean, he was injured. His rookie year didn't get very many opportunities in his second season. I guess I'll take the title as a 2-2 truther just to try to (laughs) hope things break right for him. We'll see because they need a speed guy. They need someone to take the pressure off of Jefferson and Cup. And I do think there are other guys, of course, that can step into that role. I think Ben Skoranek is going to do the dirty work, I think, as a blocker. It's a guy that can move the chains, a guy that can line up in the backfield at times. Puka Naku, we know how high, and both of us are really on him as far as his potential, a contest balls guy a guy that's going to go out there hopefully make plays in his rookie season so they definitely have some guys I think it's definitely a drop off there's no doubt about it from years past but at least there are guys where you're going to find out who they are Van Jefferson free agent after this season Tutu Atwell already in his third year definitely sink or swim Skoranek I think is solid for what he is Nakua we'll see what he's able to do so we're gonna learn a lot about these guys this season in that wide receivers room yeah, I, I like Skoranek. I think Skoranek's a guy that's going to make the team. I think Skoranek's a guy that's going to catch some passes. He's a he's a guy that just you know exactly what it is that you're going to get. You don't think that you're going to get you know a, a ton of you know fantasy production necessarily. He doesn't have that home run capability that a guy like Tutu Atwell might. But he's also going to be a guy that is where he's supposed to be. He's going to be a guy that does what he's supposed to do. He blocks. You can run some of those those you know jet sweeps that they've tried with him a little bit last year. You know maybe it's not the best play in the world, but it's something to put into the the minds of the defenders along the way. Um, I, I think he's probably your fourth or fifth guy. I think that the third and fourth guy are the ones that you're going to see the most competition for. And like you mentioned, Puka Nakua is is got a great chance there. Um, this is the thing I know. And again, we'll see what Sean McVay does during the preseason this year, whether or not he plays any of his guys. I don't think he will. I don't think that he's going to have some radical change in philosophy that he hasn't had before and play all these guys. But when they do those joint practices, who gets the reps with the ones in, in, in training camp, I think he's going to give you a pretty good indication of what he's thinking. Yeah, sometimes I do that with some of these guys, like Miguel Vargas with the Dodgers. I kind of planted my flag on the Miguel Vargas hill, and I kind of have to die on that hill. There's really no turning back. Kind of bought all the stock. But I will say if Tutu Atwell has a 300-yard season, one touchdown, it's definitely not going to look good moving forward. But coming up in our final have segment. If flag planted on the Phil Bickford hill, we can, we'll, we'll be fine. Every, everything else is good. No, oh, no, yeah, exactly. no flags on For Bickford sure. hill. 
<laughs> man, Phil Bigford, man. But coming up in our final segment, who runs LA? Who is the football team in LA? Is it the Rams? Is it the Chargers? Is it another team? That's coming up next on Locked On Rams. And we are off and running here on Locked On Rams. Thank you for making Locked On Rams your first listen every single day. Free and available wherever you get your podcast. Locked On Rams, your team every day. We're also available over on YouTube. So check us out over on YouTube. Join the party. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that notification bell. Just passed 7K a few weeks ago. Trying to get to 8,000 subscribers before the season. And let us know, who do you think runs LA? Is it your Los Angeles Rams? Now, Travis, here in our final segment, I saw fans going back and forth on Twitter. I guess, what do you call it, X? I mean, a tweet is now a Z. I don't know. I'm lost with that. I'm still calling it Twitter. It's still calling it Twitter? Okay. It's like Kleenex or Q-tips or Xerox. I know it's a brand name, but it's Twitter. No matter what format it is, it's Twitter. Oh, yeah, it'll always be Stables to me, man. Okay, like, we we know that. So, yeah, on on Twitter, they were arguing, whose house is it? Rams' house? Is it the Chargers? Are they going to emerge because you have Justin Herbert? Because you might have a future where you could put up points and put together a sexy offense that draws in a lot of fans. But to me, there's no question about it. The Rams, they run Los Angeles. They're the team that won the Super Bowl here. They were the team that won the first championship here back in 1951. There's roots here with the Rams in L.A. This is a Rams city. I know, of course, there's other teams. We know 49ers fans, they fill out SoFi Stadium, the Raiders, the Cowboys. But I still think moving forward, the Rams have the deeper roots than the Chargers at the very least. Yeah, I think there's two there's two things going on here at the same time, right? Number one is wh- who has a an advantage as far as the two L.A.-based teams between the, the Rams and the Chargers. I, I, I really don't even think there's a conversation there. One team goes to the playoffs a lot and wins the Super Bowl, goes to the Super Bowl and has the best head coach in the NFL or one of the best head coaches and owns the building. There's that team, and then there's the guys that can't get out of their own way, the guys that blow 30-point playoff leads to Jacksonville, the guys that decide to to call a timeout in the last game of the season instead of just go to the playoffs. That Justin Herbert is, is terrific. I'm an Oregon Ducks fan. I love Justin Herbert. I think he's wonderful. But, I mean, don't you have to win some games at some point in the postseason to be that guy? I mean, I, I think you do. I, I think, And I don't think it's his fault. I think it's the Chargers kind of have this thing. Look, Chargers have their fans. Every team in the league has their fans, but the Chargers, they're not the, 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 the second most popular team in this league or in this city, or maybe not even the third or fourth or 10th. They're, they're somewhere down the list. Now, the, the two between them, it's obviously the Rams. The Rams and the field in L.A., I think, is a different con- a conversation. And this is not a slight on Rams fans. I'm a Rams fan. I think that the Rams have done as good a job as you possibly can coming back to a city that you were gone from for 22 years and trying to reconnect with it. So if you're my age, then it's very easy to jump back in with the Rams because I was a Rams fan as a kid. If you're a little older than me, the same thing is true. If you are 8, 9, 10, 11, it's very easy to get with the Rams because they've been in town since you've grown up and they've been very good. But from 10 to 40, You've got this, you know, 30-year window where people rooted for other teams. The Rams weren't here. So the Raiders and the Niners and the Cowboys and the Steelers and the Chiefs and the Eagles, and we've seen them come through the Coliseum. We've seen them come through SoFi. There's lots of them, and the only way you fix that is with time. They've only been here eight years. You don't fix it in eight years. You probably don't fix it in 18. It's probably a 20- or 30-year process, and the Rams have done a great job on it so far. 
Yeah, I mean, they've definitely, we talk about grades, they've aced it. They're yeah. on the dean's list. They're on the president's list as far as what they've been able to do since they've returned. If you want to compare their success, there really is no comparison. We're talking about a Rams team that has been to two Super Bowls. That's won the ultimate prize. They yeah. have accomplished the mission. They made it to the mountaintop. But also, too, if you look at things like ticket revenue, the Rams, they were ranked fourth last season. They averaged over 3,000 fans more than the Chargers did. You look at jersey sales last year, the Rams had two players in the top 10 in Cooper Cup and Aaron Donald. They also had Matthew Stafford at 11th, Justin Herbert, who you talked about, all the potential in the world, definitely one of the best arms in the league, even at this stage, he was ranked 15th. So, yeah, I mean, let's also talk about the fact, just the reality here. That's Stan Kroenke's house. You pay $1 per year in rent. They could (laughs) evict you. Okay, let's just be honest about that. And this is how it ranked the power rankings of the L.A. football scene. I think you got Rams 1, USC 2, UCLA 3, L.A. Wildcats of the XFL, back in the day, the Los Angeles Kiss, Modern Day, Long Beach Poly, (laughs) then the Chargers. Well, I feel like you kind of disrespected some of the other, you know, going in, into the IE with its centennial or whatever it is. There's some other ones that you could have put on. Sarah's a, a good choice too. But yeah, I, I'll, I'll co-sign your rankings. No, but like, I think you mentioned this on the show before too. It's not really the Chargers who are the Rams' biggest competition. It's the Raiders. It's yes. the Cowboys. It's even the Packers. It's the 49ers. Yes. I mean, it's I think the Raiders and the Niners. The, the Raiders and the Niners are the two teams that when they play the Rams in SoFi, it's like, whoa. And look, I, 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 the, the Rams, again, let me be crystal clear on this. Rams fans that are exist that exist are great. They show up, they're enthusiastic, they wear the colors, et cetera, et cetera. And this is not a knock on the people who show up. It's just the 49er fans show up more. And and it's just it's just it's just the reality of it. The Niners and the the Raiders have been the team the team in this town for 20 years while you were gone. It's gonna take a moment to reel those people. And, and by the way, the people that are 49, you're not getting them. They're gone. They're 49ers fans. You got to get their kids. You got to get the friends of the friends. You the, you got to start looking at this. You don't change people's mind. By the time you're a fan at 13 or 14, that's it. That's what you are. You don't change them. You got to get new ones that are younger. Yeah, I always find that really interesting. Of course, I cover the Dodgers. So many Dodgers fans or 49ers fans. It's kind of got a hit different when you hear Randy Newman's I Love L.A. when you're at a Rams game, right, or anything L.A. related. I mean, it definitely has to feel weird. But, yeah, I agree with you 100% on that one. I think, too, on top of everything else, that it's really not the Chargers' fault. They really should be in San Diego. I mean, the Los Angeles Chargers still doesn't really click. It definitely feels Clipper-esque that they're really not even the little brother. They're like the adopted cousin or something like that i mean it just doesn't feel right and then on top of everything else when you look up at sofi stadium you see those banners we probably have a taylor swift banner before a chargers super bowl or something like that are they going to cover it like the clippers i have no <laughs> idea but this definitely ramps down. Cover them up. yeah like it it's going to take time and, and here's the thing they can both coexist they could be here there there's if you found a hundred people that live in this city and gave him a blank sheet of paper and said, list the A and the B team in Major League Baseball. List the A and the B team in the NFL. List the A and the B team in the NBA. List the A and the B team in the NHL. List the A and the B team in the MLS. 98% of people's lists would be the same. And, and it's just, it, that's fine. There, There's an A and a B, and there's no, there's no debate on who the A and who the B is. Only the B wants to be the A. They're the only ones making that argument. 
And I actually do like the fact there is that competition because it makes the Rams that much more motivated to want to continue to win, want to continue to endear themselves to this community. I think the Chargers should get Arnold Schwarzenegger, Arnold Schwarzenegger before every game like he did when he's like, go Chargers. <laughs> Maybe that would help. I don't know. But still, like I said, it's a Rams town. If you want to talk about other teams from other cities, yeah, you can make that case because the Rams weren't here for 21 years. But still, yep. Rams have done everything so far. They're on a great path. And I still think that the Chargers won't catch up to the Rams in LA. But that's going to do it for this episode of Locked On Rams. My name is Doug McCain. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at DMAC underscore LA. And that man is Mr. Travis Rogers, the people's champ. You can follow him on Twitter at Travis Rogers. And until next time, whose house is Locked On Rams house?